This is Hashtag History, episode 46. I'm Rachel. And I am Leah. And this week, we are discussing the Tuskegee Experiment, also known as the Tuskegee Syphilis Study, also known as the U.S. Public Health Service Syphilis Study at Tuskegee, also known as the worst thing we've ever covered on this podcast. And that's saying a lot? A lot, a lot. Seeing as our last episode was about a Nazi torturer. And we just continue to just get worse. Yeah. So the Tuskegee experiment was a clinical study conducted by the United States Public Health Service from 1932 to 1972. So we're talking 40 years here. Which is crazy. Insane. In which the U.S. Public Health Service told the hundreds of men that were part of the study that by participating, they would be treated for bad blood and would receive free health care. But instead of receiving health care, the USPHS instead treated the participants with placebos and known to be ineffective methods while ensuring that these men would be denied real medical treatment from any other facility. These men in the program were also never advised that many of them actually had syphilis and that this was the reason USPHS had selected them for the study. As a result of this withholding of information and withholding treatment, Many of the men involved in the study would later die of syphilis, and an additional 40 wives of the men in the study would contract the disease with 19 children born with congenital syphilis. The study did not end until what was going on was leaked to the press in 1972. And Leah, would you like to take a guess at what percentage of the men in this study were African-American? I'm going to guess 100%. Yes, you're correct. 100% of the participants in the study were African-American men. Mm -hmm. And with that, let's just get to the drink already. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. This was another hard cocktail to nail down because, like, sexually transmitted diseases and the blatant mistreatment of the individuals involved in this experiment doesn't really translate so well to fun cocktail segments. No, 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 I can imagine it would not. I feel like that's kind of been a trend this year. 100%. Okay. Yeah. So instead, I looked at the location of this event, which is often my fallback for cocktail choices, Uh and landed on the Alabama Fizz, which I actually got out of that ancient old Mr. Boston bartender's guide that my Nana gave me. Oh, while we I were, love that. Yeah, like super a while ago. Uh, super, super, super a while, while ago. ago. Which I have a book for you that my Nana also gave me what that she it? specifically wanted you to have. That's very cute. Okay, so you got this from the from, book from your Nana. That is Nana. very cool. Yeah. Um, so Isn't that book? Uh, I mean, it's ancient. What I don't remember what was, you said I now. Think, I don't remember exactly, but I want to say it was like. Um, that book was published in like the 50s or something. That, I, I was feeling like it was like early or 1900s 40s? or yeah, something. Anyway, very know. cool. The copyright is like 1920 or something. That's amazing. Yeah. So this cocktail, unfortunately, <laughs> contains, uh, well, the f- first half is really good. So it's um, juice from half a lemon. Yum. Yum. How can you go wrong? Uh, some powdered sugar. Interesting. So, okay, not so bad so far, but wait for it. Yeah. Um, one shot of dry gin. So yay, gin. <laughs> this is what this is what I said before we started recording. I think I'm going to try to get past my gin thing. Maybe this will be 
This Maybe this will be the turning point. This will be it. And it is a celebratory occasion because we completed our first bottle of gin yeah. tonight since starting the podcast a year ago. Also, I just realized it's called the gin fizz, but there's nothing fizzy about this. Why is it called the fizz? Yeah, nothing fizzy. Could we add some club soda or something to I it to actually any. make it fizz? All right. Well, let's taste it and see if we had wished that we had added club soda or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like a lemon. It's a little lemony for my taste. I might. I went, I'm, I'm sure ours tastes completely different. Um, cause my, my drink is on round two. Yeah. We messed it up the first round. No, they taste about the same. Yours is less str- strong. strong. Maybe mine does. Well, no, it has, mine should actually be stronger. There's like less space in here, right? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I don't mind it. I don't, I don't necessarily taste strong gin taste. Just a bitter lemony, yeah. lemony, lemony, lemony taste and then all right nemo <laughs> rating i mean if it was just a little sweeter so if we either put more powdered sugar or put like a mixer in there like a like club soda in there or something i would give it pretty high it's like a lemon drop almost but because of that it's not in there i'm gonna say like a five what if it was not gin what if this was i don't vodka? taste the gin oh i feel i don't taste gin but I think it makes a difference. Thought you were getting past your gin aversion. <laughs> Damn, she called me out. Uh, okay, then. Yeah, she's right. She called me out. All right, I guess you said a four. At five. Five. I think I'm going to go four. So okay. this one ends up being 4.5. Okay. This is a very low season for us on cocktails. Do you want me to, like, should I can, actually try? Well, say, can next week just be like a strawberry margarita or something? Like a blended, like, just... With bananas, bananas and strawberries and, and, and pineapple and, and pineapple and like a, a touch of like, tequila. Oh no, like we can do a lot of tequila. <laughs> okay, so one thing I want to address right up front is probably the largest misconception with this horrific incident in American history. Many times when people talk about this incident, they refer to it as the experiment in which the United States Public Health Service actually gave syphilis to the black American men in the study. USPHS never gave syphilis to anyone in the study. The men they were studying already had syphilis. The ethical atrocities of this case are that they never told them that they had the disease and that they went untreated for this disease, even though they were being lied to and told they were receiving treatment. So I just wanted to clear that up really quickly. This isn't to say that the United States government has never intentionally given syphilis to test subjects because we know from 1946 to 1948, the USPHS was intentionally infecting soldiers, mental patients, prostitutes, and prisoners in Guatemala with syphilis without their consent. But that's another episode. (laughs) But that's another episode for another time. That's not the Tuskegee experiment. That's not what happened in the incident we are discussing in today's episode. And while the Tuskegee experiment is horrendous, at least the most common misconception about the incident is not true. Okay. With that said, let's get to some facts. The Tuskegee syphilis study began in 1932 as a comparison study between how white and black men responded to syphilis. 
What the USPHS initially wanted to do was observe untreated black syphilis patients for six months to a year before providing them with treatment and then compared those results to a study that had already been conducted with a group of untreated white syphilis patients in Oslo, Norway. Here in America, though, the USPHS could not get the funding to develop such a study on black patients. So instead, they decided, you know what? Oh, well, we'll still do this study without funding, a.k.a. we will observe these men, tell them we are treating them, but won't. Okay. I guess let's start with a deep dive into syphilis. Sex Ed 101. Because they don't teach it in schools. (laughs) I mean, do do you want to say what your uh, general knowledge of syphilis is? I, I mean, it's a sexually transmitted disease. It is syphilis. <laughs> it is syphilis. I, I yeah. couldn't tell you. I mean, I, and I couldn't have before putting together this episode. I could maybe, if I think really hard, tell you a couple of the symptoms. Like, you, I know it, it causes, I know it, it historically has, like the Jack the Ripper episode, it, they thought it might have been the prince who maybe was suffering from a severe case of syphilis. So that's it causes, right. like, you know crazy mm-hmm. crazy behavior if it's go- goes untreated for a long time um other than that i can't maybe there's warts involved you're, you're on the right track okay you're 100 on the right track okay right track let me start all this by saying that i am not a doctor and all the information i pulled together here came from the mayo clinic here's my summation of the information syphilis is weird mm-hmm. yeah It can manifest in a number of different ways or not at all. Syphilis is a sexually transmitted disease, meaning that it is transmitted from person to person via sexual contact. It starts as a sore, usually on the genitals, but also could be on your mouth or rectum. This right here is the big reason why the Tuskegee experiment was conducted on men rather than women. Women can obviously get syphilis too, but it's more noticeable if a man has it. A woman could have sores on her genitals, but it's way easier to see these kinds of sores on a penis than inside of a vagina. Mm -hmm. Also, these sores are usually painless. So again, it's something you kind of need to see. Mm -hmm. After this stage where you have this painless sore that has since healed and gone away, you may end up experiencing other symptoms such as warts, fever, sore throat, muscle pains, and so on. And then if untreated, these symptoms will eventually go away and you fall into the latent stage, otherwise known as the hidden stage of syphilis, where you exhibit no symptoms at all. You could have syphilis and it could lay dormant for literal decades. But it's very dangerous to allow it to go untreated because approximately 15 to 30 percent of people that have untreated syphilis may suffer serious damage to their brain heart, liver, eyes, joints, and so on in later years. People have died from untreated syphilis or complications associated with it. Untreated syphilis is also really scary because it can pass on to unborn children. A woman with syphilis can infect the baby who is then born oftentimes with no symptoms but could later in life experience really horrific symptoms that include rashes, deafness, and even teeth deformities. That's so scary. Yeah. So I freaked you out enough now, right? Yeah. Great. Let's head to Macon, Alabama in the early 1930s. At this time, the population of Macon was approximately 82% black. And although this is 60 years after the abolition of slavery, most black Americans living in the county were still living the way that their enslaved ancestors had. 
With zero opportunities for education or for careers, many black men were sharecroppers literally working the same land that their enslaved ancestors had. It's horrendous. Mm. Most made a dollar a day, which inflation tells us is approximately $26 a day today in 2020. And I'm just speaking for California here, but if you have a job that pays $26 an hour, you are doing okay. Like, you're you're not doing great. Yeah. You're doing okay. And that's California in 2020. Yeah. So Alabama in 2020 is probably, what, like half that or something? But still, that's for the full day. Correct. Yeah. I'm talking like... In California, an hour, $26 a day, like, you are middle class. <laughs> You're upper middle? You're upper middle. Ooh, no, maybe, I- maybe, maybe. You might be middle. <laughs> You're somewhere between middle and upper, um, and that is by the hour in 2020. We are talking about $26 for an entire day Yeah, for these men. <sighs> Most black Americans in Macon did not own their own land, and many had never even been to a doctor, given that the medical field was segregated and there just weren't many options available. So, Leah, I'm going to have you read a horrendous quote. Are you sure you want me to? Yeah. Okay. From Dr. Tally Farrow Clark, the head of the U.S. Public Health Service's Venereal Disease Division, which explained why they specifically chose Macon County for the Tuskegee Experiment. And I want to emphasize that this is a direct quote that was made by Dr. Clark in 1932. All words here came directly from him. And are not the opinions or thoughts of either of us. Okay. Macon County is a natural laboratory, a ready-made situation. The rather low intelligence of the Negro population, depressed economic conditions, and the common promiscuous sex relations not only contribute to the spread of syphilis, but the prevailing indifference with regard to treatment. So, f*** you, Dr. Clark. (laughs) Yeah. Truly. Truly, f*** you. Yeah. How about we just, uh, like, treat the syphilis? Yeah. Yeah. And also to not have these ridiculous misconstrued misconceptions about black men that like they are very promiscuous they have more they have syphilis at greater numbers than white men do it's not because they are more promiscuous it's because they They, don't have the means or opportunity they don't have the access to be treated yeah (sighs) and thus the study was born It was conducted in collaboration with Tuskegee University, which was Tuskegee Institute then, which is a historically black college. The extent of their knowledge in relation to the study is still unknown today. It's very possible and very likely that they simply saw an opportunity for the advancement and health of black Americans in their county and therefore participated. Now, we're going to jump from that horrendous quote that you just read, Leah, over to something else horrendous. If you would check out the picture I've uploaded of a flyer that was sent around Macon County to entice participants, and if you could read the text to our listening audience. I just even started. Okay. (sighs) I know. Colored people. Do you have bad blood? Free blood tests. Free treatment. By county health department and government doctors. You may feel, I think it says well, I think that's what the word is. You may feel well and still have bad blood. Come and bring all your family Friday. And then I would assume it has dates and times and locations and stuff. Yep. And then it says every week at the same time. So, so you might have bad blood. Bad blood could literally refer 
to anything. Are you feeling fatigued? You might have bad blood. Are you feeling tired? You might have bad blood. Do you have sores on your peen? You might have bad blood. Or, like the flyer claims, you may feel 100% okay because, FYI, you can have syphilis without having symptoms. And even when you feel okay, you might have bad blood. Maybe now we got bad blood. <laughs> I think this is a different kind of bad blood. Oh. It's horrendous to say bring your family and friends along with you because that's exactly what the black residents of Macon County did. This was being sold to them as the opportunity of a lifetime. Free health care? In America? What? In addition to that, they would receive meals and free burial insurance. This was huge. Mm. If you look at the list of known subjects in the study, which can be found online, it is absolutely fucking despicable to see how many of them have the same last name. Oh. Because if your dad, brother, uncle, cousin, whomever tells you, hey, I'm getting free health care, why wouldn't you jump on board the same opportunity? Oh, I mean, today. I, yeah. Free health care? Why would you not jump on board that opportunity? Yeah. Both because the record keeping wasn't great and also because they didn't give a shit. We don't know for certain how many men were enrolled in this program. But the generally accepted number is about 400 men that had latent syphilis and about 200 men in a control group that did not have the disease were enrolled in the program. I'm Laura. And I'm Vanessa. And, and we're, we're a Tap on the Wrist podcast. Every week we bring you a new history story with an alcohol twist. The stories you didn't learn from a textbook. And for season two, we're focusing on Al Capone and the Chicago Beer Wars in an eight-part series. We'll be discussing origin stories, prohibition, mob hits, and political scandals. Not to mention a deep dive into the man Capone himself. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of season two. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at a tap on the wrist. So grab a drink and come along for the ride. Cheers. In addition to being lied to and told that they were receiving medical treatment when they were not, they completely violated basic human rights by conducting blood tests and spinal taps on these men. Oof. Spinal taps. I have never had one. God bless you if you have. Just looking at pictures of spinal taps makes me want to vomit. They did that to these men under the guise that it was to treat them. Instead of actually treating them, they were given placebos like aspirin. Granted, when the studies first started, there wasn't a for sure cure for syphilis. In fact, the treatment for it at this time wasn't much better than having the disease itself. Oftentimes, mercury used for treatment, but the cure rate was less than 30%. Oftentimes, took months. And I mean, we're talking about mercury here, like yeah. poisoning. Yeah. Right? But that's no excuse because at this point in medical history, the people running this experiment knew that syphilis should not go untreated. They knew the damages untreated syphilis could cause. And yet that was the purpose of this test to see what untreated syphilis would do to black men. They already knew what it would do to white men. Remember, they did the Oslo study already. But there was this belief that untreated syphilis caused different damages to black men than it did to white men. To black men, they believed it more so affected their cardiovascular system. To white men, they believed it more so affected their neurological system. In this, they were saying that because white men are so much smarter than black men and black men's brains are so underdeveloped, 
That explains why the disease would attack a white man's brain and not a black man's. White men are so much smarter than black men that that was clearly why this disease would attack a white man's brain rather than a black man's brain. Guess what? It's syphilis. It affects everyone the same way. Well, let me take that back. Syphilis can manifest itself in different ways. But the across difference all races. across all races. Thank you. Yeah. The difference is not because of races. It's just because syphilis is weird and can manifest in different ways dependent upon the person, mm-hmm. not because you are black or white. Right. After the initial six months passed, the USPHS decided to continue the study. In their minds, they believed these men were never going to be treated for syphilis anyway. So what harm were they receiving by being observed? Well, Here's the harm. If the examples I have already used were not enough, years into the study, the USPHS met with local county black doctors as well as the Alabama Health Department and told them to deny treatment to any men participating in the Tuskegee Project. It gets worse. They kept the men involved in the study from joining the Army because they knew that their syphilis would be discovered when they did their entrance medical exam. It just continues to get worse. Ten years into the study, this little thing called penicillin was discovered. Ever heard of it? Oh, my God. Yeah. It was being widely used beginning in 1942 and had become the standard treatment for syphilis by 1947. And yet the USPHS refused to treat the men in the study with penicillin because they wanted to see the continued effects of untreated syphilis. This is where it's like, there is no gray. Absolutely not. You're a doctor and you're choosing not to cure a disease that there's a very simple cure. As a doctor, you're bound to an ethical code. And you're not following Exactly. I, I appreciate that you said that because it's like earlier on, of course, like it's still horrendous but it's like once there is treatment there is no longer gray you are you are wrong yes this is unacceptable right usphs claimed that they knew black men to be quote unquote too stoic to ever visit a doctor and seek the treatment they truly needed that goes against what they said that they just they literally just said that they were stupid so are they stupid or are they stoic (laughs) excellent point good point So again, what harm were they doing them by observing the effects of their untreated disease? But let's pause for a f***ing moment. Why would they seek treatment if, one, they are already receiving, quote unquote, treatment, Mm -hmm. and two, they have never once been told that they have syphilis? These men do not even know that they have syphilis. Let's fast forward to when shit hits the fan. Well, Sort of. As with all things that hit a breaking point, there was a lot leading up to that. So although everyone thinks that the atrocities were only discovered in 1972 with the whistleblower report, there were complaints in the years prior that people didn't pay attention to. One such case was with a man named Peter Buxton. Buxton was an investigator for the USPHS that in the 1960s, upon learning of the ongoing Tuskegee study, was like a WTF. Good, Buxton. (laughs) Thank you, Buxton. But they turned a blind eye to his concerns. After forming a committee to evaluate the project, the USPHS decided to continue the study until all participants had died so that they would have the opportunity to conduct autopsies on all of them and gather more data. The message is clear. This project only came to fruition after the men had died. They were simply observing these men until they died so that they could perform autopsies and garner the results they wanted. 
Regardless if you could stop in early. Which they could at this point. Mm -hmm. Buxton, thank God for him, realized that his bosses weren't going to do anything about it and leaked the story to the press in an article that was published in July of 1972. 1972. Exactly 40 years after this unethical experiment began. People were outraged. Of the hundreds of participants that had been enrolled in the program in 1932, only 74 were still alive at the time of the publication. And there were like 600, including the correct the non-infected people. Correct. Right? And we're looking at 74 now. Again, the numbers are not 100% reliable because record keeping was so bad, but it's generally accepted that over 100 men died as a direct result of syphilis or as a result of the complications of syphilis. 40 wives had been infected and 19 children had congenital syphilis. It's unfucking acceptable. On behalf of the victims and their families, the NAACP launched a class action lawsuit against the USPHS. They reached an out-of-court $10 million settlement, and the USPHS also agreed to pay for lifetime medical benefits and burial services to the living participants and to their families. You know, actual, real medical benefits. Yeah. The Tuskegee experiment has a chilling, lasting legacy. To this day, many African Americans have a deep distrust of the healthcare system. Can you blame them? No. To this day, many medical studies still have very few African American participants, which then, of course, leads to treating African Americans. Isn't as accurate as it could be if you had data supporting it. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, exactly. But but you can't blame them for not participating in medical studies, which then unfortunately it is this catch-22 where then we don't have the data mm -hmm. to support studies, but you can't blame them. Mm -mm. We've talked about this half a dozen times on this podcast. When apologies come, they come too late. We've talked about it in the Salem Witch Trials episode. I think we talked about the Tulsa Race Massacre, the American Indian Boarding Schools episode. But in 1997, President Bill Clinton issued a formal apology. And Leah, if you'd like to read it, it's pretty long. Um, even though I've I've cut and spliced parts together, it's still super long. I but just it's worth it. Like to apologize to everyone for any swearing that may occur <laughs> during this reading. Thank you. All right, the eight men who are survived eight. Jesus, in 1997. Okay. The eight men who are survivors of the syphilis study in Tuskegee are a living link to a time not very long ago that many Americans would prefer not to remember. But we dare not forget, it was a time when our nation failed to live up to its ideals, when our nation broke the trust with our people that is the very foundation of our democracy. It is not only in remembering that shameful past that we make amends and repair our nation, but it is in remembering that past that we can build a better present and a better future and without remembering it we cannot make amends and we cannot go forward thank you bill like i know so today america does not remember the hundreds of men used in research without their knowledge and consent we remember them and their family members men who were poor and african-american without resources and with few alternatives they believed that they had found hope when there were when they were offered free medical care by the United States Public Health Service. They were betrayed. Medical people are supposed to help when we need care. But even once a cure was discovered, they were denied help and they were lied to by their government. Our government is supposed to protect the rights of its citizens. Their rights were trampled upon. 
40 years hundreds of men betrayed, along with their wives and children, along with the community of Macon County, Alabama, the city of Tuskegee, the fine university there, and the larger African-American community. The United States government did something that was wrong, deeply, much like you, Billy. God, that's an episode. Seriously, we got to cover that eventually. Deeply, profoundly, morally wrong. It was an outrage to our commitment to integrity and equality for all of our citizens. To the survivors, to the wives and family members, the children and the grandchildren, I say what you know. No power on earth can give you back the lives lost, the pain suffered, the years of internal torment and anguish. What was done cannot be undone. But we can end the silence. We can stop turning our heads away. We can look at you in the eye and finally say on behalf of the American people, what the United States government did was shameful, and I am sorry. The American people are sorry. For the loss, for the years of hurt, you did nothing wrong, but you were grievously wronged. I apologize and I am sorry that this apology has been so long in coming. Like, snaps. Let's just... Yeah. I mean, an apology can only do so much. It does nothing other than acknowledging. Yeah. Um, but it's a very good apology. It is. A- I mean, it's saying you did nothing wrong. You were wronged and we're sorry. At the White House that day were five survivors of the Tuskegee experiment. In 2004, the last living participant of the experiments, Ernest Hendon, died at 96 years old. He was in the control group that did not have syphilis. Before we close out, I just want to say that I know this episode did not cover everything. I want to show every single ounce of respect to this topic and the horrendous things that these men endured. But the truth is that there is just so, so much information and it just was not possible to cover it all in one episode. That's all I got for you folks. It was a lot. Yeah. I feel like I need another drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This time just a straight shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to this episode of hashtag history as always we will share the pictures that we discussed on the episode to our instagram and then all sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtag history pod.com you all know the drills subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use share about us on instagram and then give us a rate and review speaking of instagram be sure to check us out on there at hashtag history underscore podcast, where we do lots of fun stuff. All the fun stuff. Including post pictures, yeah. cocktail recipes, occasional live stream. Yeah. We should do one of those again soon. Yeah. It's been a little while. Yeah. All right. But that's that's on Instagram. Check us out there. All right. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) I think I'm just going to say Clark because I don't know how to say that name. Tally Farrow. I give up. Mayo Clinic. Mayo? Mayo. Mayo. Isn't it the Mayo Clinic? Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic. I was like, wait a minute. The mayonnaise clinic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got lemon in my paper cut. <laughs>
god. Owie. Okay. Um, <laughs> for this is. Oh, Nemo. Mm. I haven't watched that in a while. That was my very first um, phone case when I had a flip phone was a Finding Nemo phone case when I was definitely like 17, 18 years old because we are 90s children that didn't have phones till we were in I, late high school, early college I just, with a lot of Long Islands at line dancing. So we, okay. You guys don't care. We'll get to the story. I, yeah, I was going to say, is this even in the recording? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but hopefully you can read it. It's It's not fantastic quality. And of course, it's the size of a f***ing pen. Okay. <laughs> pen. You want Do you have sores on your peen? <laughs> Sorry, I can't say peen. <laughs> it's just like saying instead of your moccasins, your mockies. Your mo- yeah, <laughs> your peen. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have sores on your peen? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Buxton, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why that really mattered to me, but it did. Even though I'll probably never I look know, at this again. I know. Buxton, I know. Yeah, I know it's tough. No, just reading is tough. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were talking about content. I mean, yes, but both. Yeah. Speaking of Instagram, oh, you switched it up for me a little bit. I didn't put a comma there. Okay, well, that's embarrassing. That. Go ahead. That's embarrassing. R. <laughs> that's what happens when I try to change it. <laughs> at <laughs> also why isn't this on the same line it's not that long no come on anyway i'm sorry 